Thank you very much for that music. I'm sure there's people watching us in many places wishing their kids were in church singing and praising the Lord. And we have a wonderful, wonderful blessing and privilege to have that here. So uh, thank you so much, kiddos, for, for singing for us. Very appreciated. One more little announcement. Um, if you want to put the, if it uh, doesn't take too long, put the QR code up on the screen. We have a, just a reminder for the uh, marriage seminar coming up Friday and Saturday. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, um, there's the QR code. I imagine it's also on the bulletin that when you click on the bulletin out in the, out in the foyer, you have access to that as well for the marriage seminar uh, coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Hopefully you'll be able to make it for that. And with that, why don't we have a word of prayer and we can uh, get into our message this morning. Father in heaven, as the young ones just reminded us as they were singing, you are the one that our hearts long for. Some people have grabbed bread out in the foyer. Some people have hugged and had wonderful conversations. We had some wonderful music from our young people. You have blessed us in so many ways already. Some people have given tithes and offerings here in person. Some, many people do it online as a thank you for being so good to us. But Lord, you are such a giver you want to continue to give some more. And it's all of our heart's desire that you would continue for the next 20, 25, 30 minutes or so, that you would continue to reveal yourself. Remind us of who you are, that you are the God of second chances. Help us to hear that fresh today. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles as we continue our series in the book of Jonah. In your Bible or your smartphone or tablet, the book of Jonah, today we'll be starting in chapter 3, Jonah chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. Jonah 3, verse 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Now the people living in Nineveh were a unique group, and they came from a unique family. If you go back to Genesis, you'll see that Noah had a son named Ham, and Ham had a son named Cush, and Cush had a son named Nimrod. And according to Genesis 10, he was a mighty hunter. But Nimrod did more than teach his family how to hunt animals and kill people. As you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that he actually was the one that built and started Babylon. He, that was where the first skyscraper was at in the world. And he actually showed him how to build all the large cities in that part of the Middle East, including this community of Nineveh. The Ninevites 
were relatives of Noah. Their great-grandfather was on the ark. Their grandfather was on the ark. Imagine that heritage, to be able to know people that were on the ark. This is the Ninevites, mighty hunters, warriors, killers, builders of cities. Nineveh was so big, it took three days to walk around the city wall. As I said already, Babylon was the first skyscraper in the world, and they built it. Obviously, the Bible doesn't think so highly of it, but it was a great accomplishment for them. They thought it was quite impressive, just like people would today when you build a skyscraper. But they did more than that. They also had an affinity for religion, which makes sense because great-grandpa was on the ark, and so was grandpa, and, and, and Abraham was from kind of that region, and they had a lot of Bible people from that region of the world. And they were really quite religious. They had a library as well. One of the famous libraries back in their day was in Nineveh. And today, uh, two of the pieces are still around today. Uh, the At- the Atrahasis uh, epic uh, is in the B- British Museum and the Gilgamesh epic. I'm not remembering what museum that's in. But um, that was 2,800-ish years ago that uh, these pieces were in their library. Now, because they were really religious... Um, They had a library, and they had things like this in there. And because great-grandpa is in the ark, and grandpa was in the ark, and this was their heritage, they also believed in God. And they also believed in the flood. Now, if you go back and look at the Gilgamesh epic and the Atrahasis epic, they they have kind of their own, they're kind of cartoonish, and they're kind of... um, uh, their, uh, their opinion and interpretation of the flood is not accurate compared to the Bible, but it shows that they have this interest in spiritual things or are quite religious. Even the name of their town, Nineveh, is actually a translation from the Sumerian meaning Nina, which actually comes from the, um, the false goddess Ishtar, who was one of her names, because they were really into religion. They didn't just worship the one true God of heaven, they, they didn't want to, you know, narrow down their options. They worshiped lots of things because as their relatives got off the ark, they, they kept wandering further and further and further away from God. And uh, so they named their town after this, after this uh, goddess Ishtar. And uh, that's not even the wildest part. One of the symbols, one of the symbols for this goddess was that one of the symbols was a fish inside a belly. And it's my conviction and other theologians as well as you read stories and history about Nineveh and what Jonah did there. It's my understanding that when, when Jonah went to Nineveh, he actually told the Ninevites that he was in the belly of that fish for three days. And that it's my thinking that the Holy Spirit used that to be able to help the Ninevites. As, as confusing as their history was and their religious understanding, yes, it, was, it, was, it was, um, had some things that needed correcting. But I believe the Holy Spirit worked with that and used that and met them where they were to use some of their thinking to be able to pull them forward, to be able to understand and appreciate God better. Verse 5, Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God. Noah 
3.5, the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Jonah, he was someone who needed help himself. He was drowning in the Mediterranean Sea. God sent a fish to help him and to save him, not to punish him. We know that from the story of Jonah as well as Jesus. Jesus telling people in the New Testament points them back to Jonah that the example of Jesus being dead three days was the example of Jonah. Well, Jesus' death at the cross isn't a punishment. It was good because it saves people, brings forgiveness, gives people a second chance, helps them. Just like Jonah, he was in trouble and God sent a fish to help him. Now God ironically is sending the prophet who needed a second chance to a very religious city full of people who needed a second chance. And according to Jonah 3, 5, they believed God. God stepped in, did a miracle, and they believed him. Prophets and Kings, page 271, the author believes that, uh, jo- that God through Jonah made a really big impression on them. And then it lasted for a long time. The author writes, it wasn't until many, many years later that Nineveh fell fell to the surrounding nations. And when they finally did fall many years later, it was because of what they did in the past, they once again forgot about God. Because at one point they knew. They were the relatives of Noah, Ham. They knew because God had shared it with them. But then God had stepped in again, gave them a second chance, reminded them again, and the people of Nineveh, according to verse 5, they believed God. They believed God. I was uh, speaking with a, a teacher recently, thanking her for doing such a good job with the kids in her classroom. And she said, oh, thank you, and she gave the credit to God, and she said, uh, God has been so good to me. Uh, She said, uh, uh, I don't remember how many years ago now, but it was a number of years ago, God, she said, stepped in and and was good and blessed my family. And then she started telling me the story uh, of what God had done for her family. She said for years when she was younger, she used to work in the corporate world. And and then uh, her mother had gotten sick and uh, so she thought, well, she should quit. Uh, well, no, actually, after she worked in the corporate world, she ended up becoming a teacher for, well, maybe two decades and uh, really loved teaching. And then her mom got sick, and, and, and she thought, well, I should quit so I can take care of my mom. So she moved her mom into her own house with her. And, um, but her mom, how do I put this? Her mom, according to her, I'd not met her mom. Her mom was not very quiet. Her mom was very um, comfortable sharing. And her mom did not like her choices she was making with church and religion and God. And she was very, very, very unhappy about it. And she made it known uh, throughout all of these years. And then make it even more challenging, now mom was living in her house. And it was just really challenging mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, emotionally, financially, as her mom every day is just really coming at her own daughter about the choices she's making with God and with religion and etc. But as, as this went on for about two years, maybe uh, near the end of that second year, God stepped in and, and kind of had a breakthrough. And uh, unexplainable, God just steps in and sometimes people 
respond to God. Sometimes people don't. Well, God was just really working on her mom's heart. And one day her mom apologized. She said, I, I, I want to pray and ask that God forgive me. And I, and I want to ask for your forgiveness too. You're one of the most Christian people I've ever met. You've only been good to me. You, you, you've been so, so good to me. And I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And she said, I, I want to go to church with you. And even on the day you go, and I want to get baptized. I want to have Jesus in my life like you're describing. I want to have that because you're so happy. You, you're, you make good decisions even when I treat you so terrible. She said, I want that. Well, unfortunately, because of her medical condition, she was bedridden and she couldn't get her back wet. But according to this teacher, about five minutes later, uh, the elder of her church calls, the, the daughter that is, that, that one of the elders from their church called, and so she, well, this is perfect timing. So she gave the phone to her mom, and the elder prayed with her mom, and uh, gave her heart to Jesus, and, and then in the next, you know, few moments as her mom were talking, they made plans, because she was, the mother was getting quite ill and about to die. They'd made plans of where they were wanting to meet in heaven after Jesus comes back and takes us all to heaven at the same time. They made plans where they want to meet. I think it was a few days later, she passed away as her daughter was literally sitting right next to her, talking to her and praying with her, and as she just fell asleep. She's wiping, as she's telling me the story in school, she's wiping her eyes. and She said, I'm so glad that God gave my mom a second chance. And she says, she's wiping away her tears. She said, that's, when she's back teaching again, she says, that's one of the reasons I like to be a teacher. She says, I can remind kids that God gives people another chance. This is what God did with the Ninevites. They were cruel. They were mean. They killed people. They tortured them. They burned their villages. They were very, very unhealthy people. But God had someone go there and share the message. In verse 5, it says, The people of Nineveh believed God. They called for fasting and put sackcloth on, and they were praying to God from the greatest to the least of them. Because God stepped in to give them another chance in this rough, tough, dangerous group of people said yes. Reminds me that we all need a reminder. The Ninevites were religious, quite religious. Just like some of you say, oh, I, I, I'm an Adventist for third, fourth, fifth generation, and, and some people who have that experience think that's beneficial. They could say that about some of the people in the Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, rem I remember Grandpa Ham. Yeah, I mean, they had some of those experiences. But it doesn't mean anything if Jesus isn't in your own life. Your family tree doesn't save you. Neither did it save them. They needed fresh reminders about God, and they needed to choose by faith. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what God's like, and I like it, and I want it. That's why church and Sabbath school is so healthy, 
to, to go to one that's Christ-centered and healthy because it's wonderful ways to continue to remember, yeah, 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 that is what God is like. God is good and he's forgiving and he's helpful and he gives second chances and he wants us to make good choices. Small groups, SAB school class, pathfinders, church, there's lots of different ways to have reminders of this. Dominique is one of the people here who just started a newer ministry and she wanted to have yet one more way to be able to remind people about God's goodness. So she started something, she called it uh, Hard Questions with the Pastor. <clears throat> and uh, so here's the next, and we have, oh, maybe about four or five of them a year. The next one is tonight at 5.30, if, if you're interested. Tonight at 5.30, right here. <clears throat> and uh, people <clears throat> uh, fill out a piece of paper, their anonymous question, put it in the box out in the foyer, and then I answer them from the Bible. Here's a, just an example of some of the questions tonight. <clears throat> Uh, one question is, are people born gay? Another question, how do I help a friend learn about Jesus, especially if they've had previous church trauma? We go more into that, into the, the small group Bible study I'll be starting here on Tuesday nights, so like in three, four, five days, whatever it is. Tuesday right here, 6.15 to 7.15, we'll have a small group Bible study that goes more into that. Uh, but we'll address it uh, uh, tonight as well some. <clears throat> Another question, how can someone show fruits of the Spirit if they aren't even Christian? Uh, and another question, uh, and I'll answer this next one right here because it fits in with the sermon. In order to forgive, does there need to be closure between the people involved? And how can I extend forgiveness if the other person doesn't want to reconcile? So in my 12-week Bible study, Christ and Me, I go into more detail about this topic. But uh, we'll, sh we'll look at a few verses. Um, so if you want to join me uh, in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 6. We'll look at four different sections here. This is the first one. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 6. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their face. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he's bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement was brought, or upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So I'll read a few more here, and then I'll pull it all together. So Romans, if you'll join me in Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, verse 8. In verse 10, Romans 5, verse 6, 8, and 10, Paul writes, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Verse 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more than being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians 1, verse 7. Paul writes to the community in Ephesus, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And the last verse on this, Galatians 2, verse 20. Once again, Paul writing to another community, the community of Galatia, Galatians 2, 20, Paul writes, and you can by all means put your name in here where it says, I I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in simple terms, Jesus died while we were sinful. Jesus did not wait for us to have closure. God does not wait for he, sinful, broken human beings before he can forgive or make good choices, or he would never be able to make a good choice because we're sinful, broken, and damaged. Jesus forgived or forgave people because that's what God does. He's good, he's loving, he's kind, he's forgiving regardless of if we choose to reconcile or to accept it or regardless of what we choose. Jesus chose to forgive. That's why he went to the cross. And when Jesus died, he died for us. And according to the Bible, Old Testament and New, places like Ecclesiastes 9.5, when, when people die, the dead know nothing. If you need a reminder, you can go to any funeral, or not funeral, well, you can, but you can also go to any cemetery, look at any headstone. Those people aren't wrestling with any of the bad behaviors that we are because they're dead. The Bible teaches that God wants us, by faith, to have that same experience, to believe that when Jesus died, I died. That's what Paul was writing in Galatians 2.20. When he died, I died. And since dead things don't do bad things, there's now the, the sin and selfishness is supposed to be gone because of Jesus, and there's room for the Holy Spirit to be putting Christ in us with his thoughts, his feelings, his actions, his motives, and his willingness to forgive. That indicator that Jesus is alive and alive in us, one of the best ways to show that is for us to treat other people the way Jesus treats us. Because for a believer, that is in fact the reality. Jesus doing it through us. And if Jesus is alive in you, that is something you can 100% expect. If Jesus is in you, Jesus will continue to hound you to let him forgive other people through you, because that's what Jesus does. Now, that does not mean life is quite complicated, and there's a lot, just like a good soup, there's a lot that goes in there. Now, just because God forgives, and He does, God forgives because that's who God is, and God forgives because it's healthy, 
And God, if you are a Christian, is wanting you to forgive because it's good for you. It's good for you to forgive regardless of what the other person chooses to do. Because if God forgives and you're willing to forgive, that doesn't always guarantee 100% the other person accepts it. Just because God forgives and you're willing, it doesn't mean 100% that that person can be still trusted. If someone just shot up people, and you can forgive them, but that doesn't mean you give them a gun. So, yes, God forgives and God wants us to forgive. That doesn't mean that they always accept it. doesn't mean that there's always reconciliation. doesn't mean they always can be trusted. It doesn't even mean that they'll be in heaven just because God forgives or because you forgive. It's healthy for you to forgive. But that doesn't control them or their choice. You have no idea what they're going to do after you say you forgive them. In this case, with the Ninevites, Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, the people of Nineveh, after they heard and were reminded of God's message, it says they believed God. It says they believed God. After I graduated college, the first place they sent me was uh, north of Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, almost 30,000 population. Uh, and in this community, we had some new members that joined. His name was Rodney, and her name was Paula. And uh, he had this new freshness about him that people often do when they're new and they get baptized. And he wanted to just tell people about Jesus, because that's what the Bible says. And so he just had this new fresh fire about him. And, and um uh, he had a neighbor that, that he got along really well with, and he wanted to share Jesus with his neighbor. And they both liked horses and rode horses and had that in common. His neighbor, his name was Charles, Charles Curd. And uh, Charles did everything country. His boots, his pants, his buckle, his shirt, his hat, his accent, his language, his jokes, his truck, his smokes. I mean, everything. Some people wish they could live back in, you know, in Old Western he found a way to still do it in 2002. I mean, he just looked like the stereotype country western person. And anyway, so this church member Rodney uh, had a horse, and so they both got on their horses, and they'd ride through these pastures just hanging out and talking and doing cowboy guy stuff. And he wanted to, you know, figure out a way to share Jesus with him, so I went riding with him for, you know, a few times and, and helped him with that. And, so Rodney was sharing Jesus with his new friend, Charles. Now, Charles was retired, and anyway, they were riding through pastures. And One day, uh, Charles was in his house, uh, in his living room with his wife, and Charles was watching television, of course, a country western. And their son walks in the living room and shoots them both gets back in his truck looking for other family members to kill. Fortunately, they were out shopping. So he wasn't able to kill them. Shot them dead in their own house. One of my church members owned the newspaper in that town. Just a little newspaper called the Circe Sun. Of course, the police went there and did an investigation. The local newspaper sent out their reporter. 
I mean, for a little community, I mean, this is, I mean, imagine. February 1st, 2002, the Circe Sun newspaper reporter quoted Charles' sister. So the guy who was shot, they interviewed the sister. Her name was Geraldine. It just blew my mind, so I, I literally cut that out. It's back when people still had newspapers, even in small towns. So I cut out the article. I'm like, I, I cannot believe what I'm reading. And here's the quote. No matter what happens, you don't turn love on and off. We still love and forgive Marlon. Now, just to be clear, her, her brother was just shot and killed and she's the aunt of the person who just did it. And her comment is, no matter what happens, you don't turn love on and off. We still love and forgive Marlon. That might be easy to say some, for some, but that's really hard to do unless Christ is in you. That is not what human beings do. Now, Jesus is fantastic at it. You can be atheist, and you've probably heard of this Jesus guy who went to the cross. Oh, because he dies to help other people. It's so common, the Ninevites missed it. And it's so common, churches are filled around the world with people who still miss it which is why we get questions in their anonymous box about forgiveness. Because we're still, but now, now what, what, now do I have to forgive? Do they have, it's complicated. And it, Jesus forgives all people of all things. He even forgave Nineveh cruel monsters, raping people, torturing people, cutting off heads, making stacks of hands and feet and dangling people from poles and lighting them on fire. And they were rough, rough. God sent in Jonah and said, hey, tell him that I'm, I'm patient and I'm understanding and I'm merciful. I love to forgive people. What are you doing? This is the God you worship if, 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 if you worship the God of the Bible and praise him for it because we do foolish, stupid stuff too. And we need to be forgiven too. Amen? May we never be the type of, wow, now we... We need God to be a God of forgiveness and praise the Lord he is. God sent someone to Nineveh to give them a second chance. And they took it. They took it. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. I don't know if God is perhaps telling some of you that maybe some of you, God is saying, hey, Finally accept forgiveness for this certain thing. 
Or maybe God's telling some of you that he's wanting you to forgive somebody else for something they did. But if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart this morning, now this is not an appeal for everybody to come up front for their cats and their dogs. This is a very specific appeal that if God is tugging on your heart, that you, something's happened in your life and you're still struggling with it. We're human. These things happen. If there's something you're struggling with and you yourself want to be able to just have that forgiveness, I invite you to come forward and we can pray together. Or perhaps if you're someone who, who God's wanting you to forgive somebody else and you're wrestling with that, oh, they don't deserve it. Nobody deserves to be forgiven. The Bible's quite clear. We sin once, we should all die. Nobody deserves it. Doesn't mean their behavior was good. Doesn't mean you can trust them with that issue in the future. But if God's wanting to just give you a blessing today to, to forgive you, or if he's wanting you to forgive somebody else, I'd invite you to come forward and we can pray together this morning.